This week with Voices on the Mountain, we're going to talk about ACL injuries and female athletes. There's a lot of things in the newspaper right now as the World Cup is coming up. And I've seen a couple of almost like the same articles about how how often and how common ACL injuries are for female athletes. Steven, what do we got to say about this? You bet, Asher. Also, fitting for Voices from the Mountain, talking about potentially knee injuries going up and down a mountain connection. Oh yeah. You betcha, man. So like, uh, yeah, I think there's, there's some straight up, like just societal stuff. Like, you know, they talked about, I've read some stuff about how the, the cleats aren't really fitting for females. Um, there also is, you know, the anatomical differences of generally ladies have slightly wider hips. And so how is that putting extra tension on the tendons and just, you know, trigonometry wise, how that's tweaking things, but you're exactly right, man. The first and foremost thing that we would talk about here would be the cycle, which would be liver blood and also really key stagnation. So a lot of research has shown that um, there's actually a greater incidence rate of ACL injuries for women right before their ovulation. And that is a classic time for what we call Yin or liver chi stagnation. Now the whole cycle isn't Yin liver stuff, but uh, ovulation 100% is. And the injuries during that time or right before ovulation, what is the, is the body spending more of its liver blood in the ovulation process or is it just getting stagnated there? I love it. Yeah. Cause you bring up the both parts, the, the stagnation plus the deficiency, the deficiency is actually stemming from the cycle that just happened 12 days before. Right. So usually we think of maybe day 12 to day 15, 16 as that window, you obviously you can do it right on day 14 for the actual ovulation, but to get the whole ovulation process going, we usually give it a day or two on either side. And that first, um, you know, once the cycle ends, usually around day six, day seven, something like that, that's like the key time for women to rebuild blood. Everybody needs to do it. Um, you know, if you, you know, if a man was hiking a lot and skinned his knee really bad every month too, I'm sure he'd need to rebuild blood, but we just don't lose as much as women do. And so they sometimes forget that that beginning part is really the key window and you got to do it right away. Like day six, day seven, really start nourishing that blood because by the time you get to day 12, you don't want to overnourish because that's where you got to start moving. And so really you can liken this to lots of things, but the Shanghai Lun cycle is one big one. So when we talk about the Shanghai Lun cycle, we've got Taiyang to the outside, Yang Ming to the inside relatively and Shaoyang in the middle. I know there's a little bit of controversy out there. Shout out to all you Shang Hanlun nerds, um, but there really should not be. There's no other place for the Shaoyang to be. Also, in no way was Stephen saying that a woman's period is like a man scraping his knee on a mountain. <laughs> that is that is not what he was saying. I was just talking about monthly blood loss. You know what's really funny though, dude? Shoot my dunk. I tell you, I think they just dropped a... Yeah, it's fine. But what's so funny when you study herbs is... No doubt, a lot of the herbs we use for treating gynecological and menstruation stuff are the exact same herbs we'd give men for like bro- broken ribs, bruises, trauma. And like, you know, when guys aren't a little empathetic about female cycles, maybe they should go and get in a fist fight every month and see we're using the exact same formula. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe that him going out and getting in that brawl is part of his, his cycle. Well, yeah, it's true. You know, we, yeah, for sure. We, we would usually correlate men's cycles more to yearly cycles and women's because year is young. 
the day and the year generated via the movement of the sun. So they're all based on yang. But the movement of the moon, which is the female cycle, is entirely yin. So I always like to tell people, right, like nighttime isn't technically a yin time. It's just a less yang time, right? It's basically the absence of the sun that creates that nighttime. It's not the birthing of darkness. Oh, sure. Okay. Just like there is no yang time of a woman's cycle, there's just a slightly yang-year time, if that makes sense. It's all purely based on yin. It's all about the based on the moon, but at the full moon, it's the quote-unquote yangest time of that yin thing. But it's literally just like the sun, which is pure yang, reflecting off of the moon, which is pure yin. So it just means you can see the whole moon, and hence yang-year, but it's still totally a yin cycle. In the woman's cycle, the yang-year time is during her flow? Uh, actually, the yang-year time is ovulation. That's the yangiest. That's the yangiest of the yin. Okay. That's right. So... When it comes to uh, the female cycle, because it's purely yin, we can really correlate three the three yin channels with this. So tai yin, jui yin, shao yin. Um, and what you think about is, well, right after menstruation, let's build that blood. But when we think about what really builds blood, it's not the heart. It's tai yin. It's tai yin all the way, man. You got to build it through the spleen. And so that first you know, half of the cycle is basically tai yin. And then the middle part, right around ovulation, day or two on either side, Juyin, and then that last part, Shaoyin. And how do we correlate this to the Shanghanlun? Just like Shaoyang is the hub between the inner and outer Yang, which is Yangming to the inside, Taiyang to the outside, Shaoyang is actually the hub between the Yang layers. It's not the hub between Yin and Yang. That's a huge Shanghanlun drop right there. But then for the yin layers, there must be something to correlate and connect the yin layers. That's called jue yin. So jue yin is the hub between tai yin to the relative outside and um, shao yin to truly to the inside. Huh. That's so interesting because I think I've, in my mind, I've just used shao yin as the pivot in between the two yins as it mimics. And then also, I can't think of what diagram is coming to my head. That has the Taiyang to Xiaoyang, Yang Ming, and then Taiyin, and then Xiaoyin, and then ending with Zhuiyin before Zhuiyin turns into Taiyang. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And then if you're trying to think about a cycle, well, some people will say it follows the daytime and nighttime cycles. Um, that's actually not very, uh, there's not a lot of evidence for that. Neijing doesn't talk about there being three periods of the day. They just say the entire daytime is controlled by Taiyang. Oh. And then they say the entire Nighttime is controlled by Tai Yin. That makes it so much more simple. It's, I mean, you know, it's so interesting because people are like, oh, well, the six channel or six confirmation or six layer, or just let's use the Chinese word, the six Jing from the Shanghai Lun, that's to correlate and mimic the time in the day. Maybe, but it's not Tai Yang to raise Yang Ming as the brightest time and then Shaoyang to descend. That's not correct. I really think people need to see that it's not that. If anything, it's Taiyang to lift in the morning, Shaoyang right around noon to pivot as the hub point to get us to the descending of Yang Ming in the afternoon. And that's why it's the hub between the Yangs. It's not the hub between all the Yang and all the Yin. Right. So Jui Yin is going to be our pivot for the Yins. Correct. It's going to happen during ovulation. Correct. Okay. Which really heightens that, that idea of the liver blood during ovulation time, hence why female athletes would be getting more tendon ligament injuries 
during their ovulation time. You bet. And this gets us to the, um, this is an interesting Chinese medicine idea that um, if we're talking about movement, we're usually thinking about yang stuff. So we're saying, okay, well, I want to move liver chi. That's, that's a yang thing. It's a yang function. But what allows the yang function? It's true. No stagnation is one, and that's still in the realm of the yang. But not only that, it's actually the yin stuff. So this is kind of the idea that if you don't have the firewood, you can't light the fire. The yin does propel the yang function. And so here we would say, okay, well, what's the body of the liver? And that's what we call the liver yin, two parts, one part blood, one part yin nutritive. And so you can see this very clearly for your herbalists, sub herbalists. We got uh, dangwei for the blood, 100% blood, but baishao for the yin nutritive layer. So those are both parts of the liver yin. And then what would we use for circulating the liver yang? Good old chai hu. So that, that key trio there that so many people are using and so the, by far the most commonly used formula in probably the uh, entire country over here is uh, Xiaoyazan. And it's got that trio for a reason. But the key is they're not really remembering when to use this trio versus, say, a Xiao Chai Hu Tong versus a Chai Hu Shu Gan San. There's a real big reason why we'd be shifting that trio and shifting those ratios. We'll get into that later. But the key here is what I like to tell people is two parts, two herbs in there are for liver yin. One herb in there is for liver yang. And it gets so clear that what we need is really robust blood and fluids, which we know as, you know, as Asher's pointing out, athletes run pretty hard, especially these like pro athletes and top-notch athletes, quite likely they're over sweating, quite likely they're not nourishing up after their periods. In fact, a lot of them don't even have periods anymore if their body fat gets really low. And then you can imagine what you do when you, when you're going into an, an activating time where you need to be able to move that liver yang, um, but you don't have any, any liver yin to do it, stuck. And that's that's the deficiency leading to the blockage. There is also the, the idea of, and then that could lead to an actual break in the tissue of the liver, the sinews, or we would also see the stagnation leading to it. So you'd see this with women that have like a lot of maybe PCOS, any sort of cystic stuff on their ovaries, women that, you know, would feel ovulation. So most women, a lot of women don't even feel ovulation and some of them will feel like really bloated, really full. Some of them will literally feel the pop when the, when it ovulates. Um, and so any of those people, they're going to be prone to stagnation. And what happens with stagnation, stuff's not getting where it needs to go. So that's the excess cause of the ACL tears. And then the blood and yin side, side would be the deficient side of it. Nice. I hadn't connected the excess side, especially with the PCOS and stuff like that. It's very insightful. Uh, wrapping back to some of the other things they talked about <clears throat> in these articles, they mentioned the foot thing. I thought that was interesting. Sure, we have different feet, but also consider the types of shoes that we wear when we're not in our athletic wear. They were looking at, oh, cleats were based off of male feet, and we've just been sticking women's feet in there. Hmm. I would also look at, I mean, I had a high school coach that made the female students wear high heels the day of their their games. And one, it was kind of rough to watch all these, you know, really high-functioning athletes struggle to walk around in heels all day. But the other thing too is that the he the heels are going to shorten the calf muscles, and that's going to have a whole different dynamic on the way that they play and the and the loads and pressure throughout the body. Another thing I want, thought was interesting was that these were ACL tears that we're talking about, and now they're common for a couple of different reasons. But I thought, oh, no coincidence that you know it's it's in the knee where all these yin channels go deeper, 
it's where the tonifying point, if you were going to, you know, tonify a woman for her liver blood, you might pick the Hasi point right there on, on that knee. So I thought no coincidence there as well. Yeah, you bet, man. So such a good point about the high heels too. Um, especially any sort of anterior tears, damage, or even just pain spots on the, like below or above the patella on the front side there. We always tend to look at the musculature on the back and that's just because of the tendon structure of that knee. So a lot of the, if there's ever pain on the top or the bottom of the front side, we'll tend to look at either the hamstring or the, the calf for extra tightness. Cause it's, I always describe it as, um, basically a suspension bridge. The knee is just a suspension bridge that is literally like almost all four directions and dimensions. But you can think of like, if, if you, you know, you visualize, um, someone's leg with toes pointed up, maybe they're sitting down, like doing a runner stretch. Then when it goes top to bottom from like the front shin down to the back of the hamstring, also from the back of the calf up to the top of the quad, and you get these kind of crossing patterns. And that's, you know, that's just based on how the tendons work and everything else. But because it's such a shallow joint, it, it really relies on equal tension on both sides of the suspension bridge. Otherwise, it's going to start pulling the joint forward a little bit, back a little bit, and which doesn't sound like a huge deal until you're running at whatever crazy speeds these people are running at. And then you're just going to be grinding on the meniscus and the labrum and just setting the whole system off kilter. Totally. And specifically, even more than just the top speed might be the change of direction, the quick changes, the slowing down of one way, the explosion another way. That is going to put pressure and torque on the body in pretty unique ways and stress out the weakest parts. I'll just say a quick hit for the pelvis too, while we're talking about all this, because the pelvis has a huge uh, effect over how the uh, thighs and all the muscles in there are aligned and working back down to that to that same knee. If the pelvis is anteriorly rotated, then it, the foot's going to have a hard time and the knee is going to have a hard time staying in place without having other things lock up. So true, dude. So true. And that's, um, that ties into why we use the yin chow and yang chow vessels because yeah. And some people, I think they translate that in English as the heel vessel. Is that right? Asher? Yeah. They'll, I just know it as the walking vessel. Cause I feel like that's a better translation. Exactly. Exactly. So I've heard heel vessel. I've heard there's another one that oh, you use. There's one activity. There's like a activity vessel. Yeah. For, yeah, you're talking about the young child. So, oh, maybe I'm mixing this up and this is just what they say. But I've heard the young child is for like the awake, the active mind, and the yin child is for like sleeping mind. Opposite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you can use these two for, for insomnia. Yep, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And we they're the only channels, unless you count the die channel, which is just kind of wacky all by itself. But it's the only more longitudinal channels that are really crossing the body. And then, you, yeah, of course, there is the wee little cross of the large intestine channel, but it doesn't cross all the way over. It just crosses right there at Rinjong. But these are the major ones that are actually correlating left and right side of our bodies. And therefore, so key for, like you said, walking vessel is a pretty good one. It's not a heel vessel. It's just emanating, starting from the heel. Um, linking or bridging vessel might be the other way that they translate that. All of them are have some element to it. But the key is it's correlating our left side and our right side. So, so huge for motor function and especially movement. So when people you know, are splaying at the hip or, and, or going the other way and kind of goose stepping it, um, you bet 
yin chow and yang chow are dr guo always used that um, for regulating and shifting hip function nice and is this opening up the the master and couple point or is this uh using the points on that channel oh that's a sweet one um this is we, we should do a whole podcast on this one too um those points those eight um i don't know whatever so the eight channel confluence points yeah probably how they're translated um this one is it's an interesting one because i've heard in america they only do the pairs that's not true that is not true when you pair them you get different functions that's true but you don't have to use them together and i know there's a whole left right thing that people do here and i don't know where that comes from but the point is is use them you know like we'll pair the yin wei mai with the yin chao mai what yin with yin you bet if we want to affect a throat go there because that's where both of those extraordinary channels go so it's we don't have to stick to the standard pairings we'll, we'll delve deep in that later. yeah so big shout out so yeah you don't have to pair them together you just use the ones that you need but if you want the paired function that's usually a different thing totally the she cleft points of these vessels useful for for these uh treating these diseases yeah it's a great point so they're great for treating the blood and the uh, pain depending if it's a yin and a yang channel but i think you're right for nourishing then we would usually tend to go elsewhere so if it was a nourishment we'd probably focus elsewhere but if there was already the, the injury you betcha she cleft is great so if we wanted to kind of prevent this with the, you know that sort of thing also if we wanted to circulate liver chi then we'd usually just go to some really key liver chi moving points shout out to chi mun is that 14 yeah over 14 the, yeah front the front Oh man, Chimun. Well, I'll just give you guys a teaser. The name on that one is so useful. We'll get into that later. Chigate. Well, it's different. It's that's a different Chi. It's this one's Chi as far as not Chi. Man, you could have fooled me. Load load that whole statement up with this point is really good for moving liver chi stagnation. It's called Chimun, but it's not that Chi. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I went. I went through all this school too because we've we've talked about this point before too, and I didn't didn't realize that it's not the same chi. We'll put it on yeah. our top five. We'll we'll do a little series of uh, herb names and why they are acupoint names and why they're so 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 key to know. But let's put that on our top five. We'll do like maybe we do a little mini series on that. That and uh, and all the corrections we have to do with with our stuff over here. Just going back to one of them, the extraordinaries. Uh, opening up the left and right side. I searched really hard trying to find anywhere that it's ri- either written in Machocho or kind of in any of the books that talk about that. And I, I came up short. I wasn't able to find anything. The only things I was able to come up with was, you know, half of those master points are low points in and of themselves. So sometimes people use low points opposite their young counterpart if you're trying to do that kind of idea. So in that way, it would make sense. And then really there was a uh, a Japanese, I don't know if he's a master or what, what his designation would be, but he was very well followed. And I think he was the one who came up with the ion pumping cords. And he oh. would use opposite end for the vessels. So if he was going to use uh, SI3 or Hoshi, and then the UB62, which now I just have in my head as the ghost walking point. That's the Yangchao point, right? Shenmai. Would do that on opposite and do them with iron cords. I see. That that makes so much more sense. Thank you for explaining that to me because I didn't know where the, the people were putting that in from. 
All right. So that was our short little episode on ACL tears. If you are a female athlete, go find an acupuncturist near you. We have the tools and the knowledge and background to help you out. Stay tuned for more on Voices from the Mountain. Heck yeah. See you guys from the mountain.